One, two, ten. Welcome to the Claim to Throne Blodgecast, coming on you with insights into what it's really like to be in a do-it-yourself metal band in 2014. Who is it? Testing, testing. You're listening to the Claim the Throne Blodgecast. Thanks for tuning in for another week. I am Cabba from Claim the Throne. I'm also here with the drummer, Ashley Large. How are you today, Ash? Very good. Thanks, Cabba. You're welcome. Good answer. Uh, and we're pretty stoked to be here today with a drumming fucking maniac right out of Perth. Uh, he's had a long history in the metal scene internationally, locally, all sorts of stuff. So very honoured to be here with him. A very busy dude in lots and lots of bands. Um, most commonly probably known in The Fuhrer, Pathogen, Malignant Monster. Most recently, the relentless Singaporean Black Death Act Impiety as well. So... Everybody, give a round of applause to Louis Rando. How are you going today, Louis? I'm good. I'm good. I'm feeling pretty good. I'm everything's pretty cool, and I'm raring and ready to go. Good stuff, man. Thanks for having us over your place. You got a fucking nice one here overlooking Scarborough Beach in WA. It's a real beautiful night. Hopefully, you don't get any mozzie bites on our doodles. No, that would be crap. Doodles cool. too small for that. <laughs> wouldn't they wouldn't find it. Probably most of our listeners have a fair idea of who you are, and I'm um, giving a bit of a rundown there. But if you wouldn't mind, perhaps just telling us about um. How you got into metal and drumming and a bit of a timeline of your metal history. Is that cool? Yeah, totally. That's why we're here. Um, I started drumming. I was in year seven in school. I was 12 years old. It would have been about 1992, I think it was. No, even earlier than that. Yeah, about 92 or something. Got it. My dad was a drummer, so there was always a drum kit around the house. We had a music room fully equipped with karaoke and drums and guitars and stuff. So I picked up the drums and kind of came more naturally than anything else so I just kept on with that played practiced by myself and took lessons for a couple of years copying you know slayer albums and anthrax albums and whatever i was listening to at the time then joined a band my first band cryptic in 1995 and then um that turned into the band De book and which is like a black metal thing 95 96 and we just yeah just enjoyed jamming those kids just jamming forever and ever and ever and nothing else to do and then one thing led to another and i got kind of out of hand with it and here i am now yeah um i've seen footage of you that you've posted right on youtube probably of yep. your scarborough high school always flogging myself yep yeah like playing black metal at your high school in the yeah gym. that was the first band i was in actually to book yeah that was 1996 we were in year 12 and they had an open day and the teacher said, why don't you get your little band to play? And we thought, yeah, we'd love to do that. So we rocked up and just blasphemized them with some weird Scandinavian-sounding black metal <laughs> shit, and everyone was... Uh, half the crowd liked it, yeah. Um, what got you into metal, black metal? Like, was your dad into rock and roll or something like that, like Sabbath? Or uh, nah, my dad's not really into metal at all, or even cool, hard rock. He's He's into, like... Just cheesy sort of 60s, 50s ballads, classic sort of stuff, country and western he likes. Definitely not metal at all. He doesn't understand the kind of music I play. He thinks it's ridiculous and <laughs> chuckles about it. Yeah. But um, I got into it through school friends, really. I was in year eight at school and a friend gave me um, Morbid Angel, Blessed of the Sick on tape and Slayer Seasons in the Abyss. And I thought it was just mental, and I loved it from there and just kept listening, kept listening. It was obviously good to my ears, and yeah. I couldn't understand why everyone wasn't into it. Yeah, Which so, is still yeah. the same now, I'm gathering? Yeah, I still listen. Well, I listen to everything now. I've mellowed and stuff. I have other tastes and things, but still like extreme black metal, death metal, thrash metal, all that stuff, yeah. Yeah. 
what were the breakthroughs in like, you know, the pretty hard styles to play and stuff? Like, how did you get to those levels? Was it just playing along, like you said, to records or was it the lessons? Like, how um, did you develop? No, it wouldn't have been lessons because I, I quit after about a year. I got pretty bored and just wanted to go off and jam and run amok with it and play metal. But um, yeah, just listening to old Slayer and Anthrax and Morbid Angel and Napalm Death and just trying to mimic what they were doing in my own crappy way and yeah, just trying to copy copy those icons, you know. How did you bust out into the actual Perth scene? Well, I was in the band Pagan. That was the first band that I ever gigged with. We did a Impact Winter City launch in January 1997 at the White Sands Hotel, just up the road here. Yeah, that gig went down well. People seemed to dig it, and we just kept going, just kept playing and kept playing and got offered gigs, and that was pretty cool. Snowballed from there, as it kind of does, yeah. You're in a million bands now. <laughs> Is that what you mean by snowballing? You just started joining other bands, or...? Yeah, um, yeah, one after another. I mean, before I knew it, I was in, like, four bands, and um, the thing is, they're not always active at the same time, so mm. I'm able to do them all, and it's kind of, you know, part-time with each one of them. But, um, yeah, they kind of alternate, so I'm able to keep up with it, barely. But, um, yeah, just I like jamming with friends. I've got a big circle of metal friends, and and there's always someone saying, hey, man, you want to play drums for us? So, you know, I did, you know. With Malignant Monster, they were old-time friends from Pathogen Days, so I said, yep, okay, I'll play. Sympiety I was just a big fan of and was interested in traveling with them and Fura was my band that I started so that kind of just yeah happened and then what else was there Morgul which was James and Rob who used to be in uh, Infected and Tyrant and I was a big fan of their sort of stuff really interesting black metal so I joined that as well and just kept going with it yeah you know the first time I actually ever saw you play was with Pathogen at the Infected Reunion show when was that, mm. like 2003 or something Yeah, like it would that? have been around then, early 2000s, at the Amplifier Bar. Yeah, yeah. With Kane on vocals, I think. Yeah, and Dicey. That was when I was freshly mm. minted, 18. You are initiated. Yeah, no, that was cool. I used to see you play in the early 2000s at um, All Ages gigs at the Grove in a back room, which was pretty awesome. Like, who used that was the guy? best venue. <clears throat> I missed that place. It was real good. It's a yeah, shame there's no not many more All Age shows happening around here. Um, but nonetheless, yeah, saw heaps of shows there and then, yeah, onto the Amplifier days. Um, it got to the point seeing you even do vocals and drumming at the same time with Fura, I think, when you guys were yep. actively gigging back then around the Invert Absolute time, which, by the way, yeah. was a flawless masterpiece. Good uh, work. I don't know. Well, maybe, maybe. <laughs> Who knows? I, I can't listen to it, but uh, I'm glad others do. <laughs> I like it. I like bits and pieces of it, but there's always things you change. Yeah, yeah that's it. 2003, that was, yeah. Yeah, I remember back then as well, uh, as a youngster walking into like CD shops and stuff and there'd be the adverts up and me and my friend actually saw an ad and I believe this was you, correct me if I'm wrong, and it had, um, it was like an ad trying to find a band for or band members that were into sort of really extreme breaking the barrier type music um, and I think you may have listed Impiety as one of your influences on there as well. Um, mm, yeah. Pretty, bit of a weird thing to remember. Probably was me, yeah. I'm <laughs> the only Impiety fan that I knew at the time in Perth. For sure. So, um, <laughs> yeah, I just thought we might ask what it was like to actually finally join a band like that who you've been a fan of for many, many years and probably were a big inspiration to you. Like, how did it happen and is it awesome? Yeah, it's totally awesome. It's really cool. It's um, totally different, you know, with a cultural difference and the distance and everything and uh, it's interesting and it works well though like we have similar music tastes and 
and it kind of works easy. Yeah, it just comes together. Yes, almost. It's getting to a point now where we talk less and less. We can just jam, and it just comes out and flows. But um, I messaged him through Facebook. I was friends with him on Facebook. Shaitan, the bass player vocalist, is the original member, and I knew he was always rotating members. And he always seemed to have trouble with lineups, and he was always scouring distant corners of the earth looking for lineups. So I th- just sent him a message. I said, if ever you need anyone to play or record or do anything on drums, I'd love to do it because I'm a big fan and I think I can do it. And sent him a video, and then he messaged back a couple of days later, really, really enthusiastic, and he wanted to see more stuff. And we just got talking on chat. And then, um, yeah, he organized a one-month-long tour of Asia. It was like 10 shows, I think it was before I even flew over there to meet him for the first time. Fire. So that was the plan. So I would go over to Singapore and we rehearsed for four, five days straight and learnt like 12 songs for this set and then took off for four weeks and played all these shows. And that was the first baptism by fire with Impiety. But um, it was cool for like finally going over there and playing all these songs that I love and, and meeting this guy that I was you know curious about and and seeing Singapore and hanging out there and staying at his place and he's really hospitable and really nice guy really professional and yeah it's it's really good it's really exciting especially skipping across countries and things that's always different and taking your music with you as you're doing it of course that's really awesome man and yeah we do hear it time after time on the show even um you know people saying just how important networking is reaching out to people even you know Facebook is a great way to be able to do that Obviously, without punishing people, you don't want to send them 100 messages, but yeah, just something like that obviously paid off for you, which is fucking good. I didn't um, expect him to really message back at all. It was a bit of a wild shot, but he came he came on strong, and I was like, holy shit. <laughs> it's kind of overwhelming, but it was cool. Yeah. Awesome, man. And did you already sort of know how to play half their songs and all the structures and everything, or was it more, did they send you, like, I don't know, music to practice to, or was it just jamming out the five uh, days? that you did? I knew about half of it, yeah in my own kind of way and then got over there and realized you know things were a bit different and then we rehearsed through it all and but i knew a p- pretty huge slab of it anyway i had like five albums and i would just thrash the shit out of that in my car for years and so i knew it pretty well yeah and i guess yeah impiety must be about the one millionth band that you've joined over the years is yeah it, is it yeah. pretty hard to i mean it's hard enough being in one band let alone however many you've been with like how do you fit it all into your day-to-day life i mean you have to be a pretty organized dude and does it affect i don't know jobs and love lives and shit or is it just you know something you love and works no, out I'm easily still a hard lover <laughs> i bet you are <laughs> we'll find out later <laughs> well i don't write for all of the bands so that makes it really easy uh, it's pretty easy for me to just pick up songs and learn what people throw at me and play drums to it that's easy enough to do um but when it comes to writing it's pretty hard to like write for many different bands at a time you know because that's the time consuming part but um no, no, I have a job and I work, you know, decent hours a week and and still have time for everything else and the girlfriend's happy and, yeah, I have enough time to myself and, like, it's, you know, it's kind of like, like I said, the band, the schedules alternate, you know, maybe one band won't do anything for two weeks or three weeks while the other one gets busy and then next week it's onto something else and so it's pretty diverse and interesting, yeah. You say that you don't write, is that... Like, so if Impiety had new stuff, would they program drums or something? Or, like, what do you... He does things in a funny way. He do, He's really old school. Like, he barely even records everything. He just plays guitar in his room mm. and has everything locked into his head and barely even puts it down at all. Like, I'm always saying to me, send over demos so I can be prepared when I come over and we don't have to waste time. And he never does. 
(laughs) So I get there and he just unloads all this crap on me and we just sift through it like bit by bit. But, um, yeah, he, he, maybe he'll record on his little trashy tape deck or something, but he's really, really old school and he's got a really amazing mind. Like he's able to just memorize songs and lyrics and bass lines and drum lines and everything all at once really, really quickly. And then just tells you what he kind of wants you to do. Yeah. But he writes all the songs. Yeah. And has a pretty general idea of the drums and more and more I've been changing things and bringing in my own drum patterns. I just write drums for the band. I don't tamper with guitars or anything. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. Like the just to delineate what is writing for a band. You know, what role does the drummer play in the writing of a song? Because I imagine that you're you're in every band. You've done a hell of a lot of different styles. You got your own flair, right? So I imagine what you'd bring to Empire is totally different to what you know anyone else would. I guess so. I had a couple of people tell me. A few people tell me they like what I do better than the previous drummer and say to me it's different in this way and it's different in that way and I don't really notice so much I don't really compare but I guess it is yeah Mm. and I'm pretty thoughtful with what I do you know I do things intentionally and I guess it it has some purpose and locks in for some reason well impiety is pretty obvious for me like it's not really a drum based band even though the drums are full on million miles an hour crazy it's always pretty self-explanatory what the drums are going to be doing so we just yeah yeah cool that's interesting and is that like that with other bands as well like i mean even local guys like malignant and morgul like are you contributing stuff or are they yeah that's different yeah i write riffs for those bands oh really um for morgul i write a few riffs i've written i write a few songs and have a bit to do with the guitars as well i think we're gonna get rained on we might have to move oh shit here come the storms live and start raining drops oh yeah i forgot to tell you we're outside (laughs) So, yeah, you do some writing of riffs for the local bands and stuff. I haven't done it yet for Malignant Monster. I do quite a bit of it for Morgul. Um, the Führer, I always did a bit of it, and now I do all of it. And, yeah, that's it, yeah. Hmm, but more and more guitars, actually. I'm playing more guitars these days and and just letting the drums do their thing. Yeah, cool. Um, and is that something you approach the bands with when you're, like, joining them? Well, obviously, Führer is your baby, but you know, mm. with are you an original member of Morgul? Uh, no. no, no, I came along a little bit later. Yeah. So, did you offer them like, hey, this is what I've done in the past, and I can do more than just drum? Yeah, um, yeah. There was never any set way to do anything with Morgul. It's yeah. an interesting band because Rob writes songs and James writes songs and and I write songs, and there's no way of we do not know what we're doing at <laughs> all. So, we all do bits and pieces, and then just mash it together and. There was never any solid style to begin with kind of thing. If you listen to all the songs, they're all pretty different, yeah, Mm. the albums and stuff. Yeah, sweet. And I guess, like, does each band feed into the other band? Like, I mean, for guys like us who aren't super active, like, we have to think about things like practice just to keep the chops Mm. up and stuff like that. I suppose you're playing drums all the time, right? Yeah, yeah, usually just right in the middle of playing songs and stuff. I wish I had more time to just practice and sit there with a metronome and and nerd out like I used to have more time to do that but these days I'm usually just playing songs yeah it's kind of weird like I don't you know writing riffs and stuff I don't want all the bands to sound alike or anything trying to have them all to keep their distinctive sounds and everything is something that I'm conscious of can be a bit touchy you know but yeah it seems to work okay so far awesome and you said 
um, with Mogul, like uh, each member sort of writes a song here and there. Does everyone sort of write a whole song at once, or does sometimes people rock up with, hey, I've got this cool riff, maybe it will work in that song? Or is it all just sort of one person per song? Uh, it's usually one person per song, and sometimes bits and pieces, cool. Frankensteins together. Interesting. Yeah, but, as, but the, it's always some sort of black thrash metal kind of thing at the end of, of the day anyway. And, and, there's, and there's Rob Riding who does just the weirdest, crazy, um, off-kilter, jazzy, quirky stuff. Which is strange, indescribable, weird shit. Were Impiety the first band that did that wah, wah thing? Uh, first time, yeah, first band I ever heard, yeah, I think so. It's awesome. kind of like their trademark now. You yeah. did it a bit in theory, <laughs> hey? That kind of thing. Lovely. That Every song's got giving it. Giving me a semi. It's like a cool chorus line. <laughs> um, and so, yeah, you have obviously done a bit of international touring with Impiety now and possibly some other bands. I'm not sure. Um, Nerve Cell as Nerve well. Nerve Cell, of course. I was with them for three years from and went all around the place. Yeah, yeah good stuff. What do you... I mean, do you notice big differences between metal scenes between, you know, from Perth or Australia compared to Asia, for example, or Europe, do they all sort of have their own vibe, yeah. I guess, do you think? And yeah. what are the differences? At the core, they're all kind of the same, but there are like all these superficial differences that you really notice when you first walk in there. Um, they're all a bit different. Like Asia's, um, they're really, really into black metal and extreme, like full on leather and bullet belts <laughs> and spikes yeah. and corpse paint and desecrating graveyards and stuff. They're okay. really into that stuff. That's popular over there. But they're very, very polite and respectful people. Like very, very, you know, you just never pick it, you know. Whereas Australians are more loud-mouthed and, and wild and and into different styles of music, maybe like you know, death metal and grindcore. And and then I was in the Middle East with Nerve Cell and music over there is a, the metal thing over there is a little bit new, so they don't fully have like a a kind of defined sound or attitude or anything with it yet. But they're into all the whatever, you know, death metal and all that kind of stuff, yeah. Europe, been there a couple of times, and obviously they're completely diehard into everything, you yeah. know, whatever power metal. gets there. Yeah, power metal, man. I love it. <laughs> Probably the only people who listen to it. You obviously <laughs> did uh, Hellfest this year as well, speaking of Europe. Um, yeah. Which is fucking awesome. Possibly the first person from Perth ever to play that, I'd say. Yeah, maybe, yeah. What was it like? What it happened? was cool. It was awesome. Yeah. Um, you guys had a big crowd and everything? Yeah, we had a pretty good crowd. We played. Um, we were about the fifth band on the first day. We played at twelve thirty on the first day. It was sunlight and everything, but we were in the tent, so it was nice and dark, and all the lights and smoke were happening. It looked really cool, and we had a good crowd. Yeah, probably I don't know a thousand plus people. Sweet, like pretty big. You know, as far as the eye could see, there was people, and yeah, it went down pretty well. Yeah. And it was a major rush. We came straight from Singapore to Kuala Lumpur, Kuala Lumpur, all the way over to France, Paris, Paris to Nantes um, airport, then a huge speedy bus ride straight to the backstage area just in time for the stage guy to say, are you in piety? Quick, get the fuck up here, you got to play. So we got straight on stage and, um, you know, we were warming up in the car on the way to the gig and everything and just got straight on stage without even seeing any of the festival at all and did our thing and then proceeded to drink and get merry for the following days and did all the festival stuff, which was really cool. Awesome, man. And that's fucking crazy. Like, I think, yeah, you know, if you're in the crowd at a festival watching something like that, you doesn't even cross your mind that maybe that band is just hell rushed to get there and they just you just expect them to play an awesome show. And I think... If you're people in bands that haven't really done touring before and want to go on tour, you need to be prepared for that sort of thing. And even seeing you today, you look like a bit of an exhausted dude. 
So you've been traveling yeah. over the weekend to Singapore and, and back yeah. here? Yeah, I went to Indonesia. Um, I feel a bit run down, so yeah. It does take it out of you, you reckon, a bit? Especially being a drummer, I guess, in, in piety. Yeah, yeah, totally, yeah. I mean, the, the shit for impiety is crazy hard and demanding to play. Yeah. And traveling just takes it out of you. You know, sometimes the last thing you want to do is, like, get behind a drum kit and sweat it out for an hour or at a time. Yeah. Especially if you have to fly every day. Different places are different. Like, when we toured around Asia with impiety... It's all islands and stuff, so you fly every single day, and that means airports for five hours at a time, and you Gross. just smell like shit and offend everyone in your vicinity. Yeah, awesome. yeah, yeah. Like it's hard. It's, it's pretty dirty, messy stuff. But you either embrace it, <laughs> and you kind of love and turn into an animal and go for it, <laughs> or you whinge because you don't have your yeah. shower and all your comfort things. You know. Yeah, and start listening to drum and bass and hate metal. One yeah. more question, and I'll pass it on to Ash. On traveling as a drummer. What's it like? I mean, do you have any tips in terms of um, packing light with your drum kit um, and also maybe warming up and that sort of shit? I don't know. Uh, yeah. Is there things that tips or things people need to be prepared for before they go on tour I guess as a drummer? What I do, I, I pack really light, as light as possible. Like if I could take nothing and use everything over there, I would. But um, they never let you do that. You know, you got to take, take some of your own cymbals and stuff. I usually just take my kick pedals, my bag of sticks, uh, maybe a few cymbals if I have to, if there's nothing arranged, and my trigger module, and a bunch of spare parts and cables and felts and washers and all that kind of stuff, because you never know what you're going to see when you're away playing like other weird drum kits and stuff. But yeah, pack light, like be aware of you know your allowance on the plane, and try and keep it below that. No snare drum? Well, you don't care? Um, not anymore. I used to bring my snare drum all the time, yeah. But I haven't actually for like a couple of years. I used to take it and use it as a suitcase, like unscrew the top skin and fill it full of clothes so it would double as a suitcase so it wasn't wasted space. And carry on or? Uh, yeah, carry on, yeah. Because yeah. I didn't have a hard case so I wouldn't trust the, the monkeys at the airport with it. <laughs> yeah. No, I take it as carry on but... More and more, and probably because I did see you at Hammersonic, and my question was tour tips for drummers, but that was my first, like, festival show, and you obviously played a few sets that day, and yeah. we got rushed on two hours late, but then we got told we had to wait another hour, and then next thing, oh, you're on in 10 minutes, and so I went, oh, fuck, all right, and they go, no, you can't use this drum kit that everyone else is wheeling on, you got to use that one he's on, we don't have time. I think that was, was that the crappy one? Yeah. Yeah. And I jumped on that <laughs> kit, right? And I mean, I've had tour experience, like mm. some international and a lot of domestic touring. And I just went, yeah, sure, man, sure. And just did it and played on a four-piece and nothing. The whole set, I didn't even really, just the whole time I was looking at drums, like wondering which one to hit next kind yeah, of thing. Yeah, because you're just completely uncomfortable. Exactly. Get off stage and I see you over there setting up on the <clears> one that no one's apparently using anymore. Yeah. Was just that tuning it up. Four and party. Warming up. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I kind of went for it because I've been to Indonesia a few times before and it's always a bit chaotic and you never quite know what's going on and you never get a straight answer. And I did just take, I remember just jumping on the drum kit and just setting it up and thought, I'll just look busy and no one's going to hassle me. But I'm taking this because, you know, I don't, I, I, so I didn't want to play the drum kit you were playing. I saw it and yeah. nothing wrong with it, but it just had like one tom, so it was, it was pretty hard to play, you know. Yeah. Well, did it? It was pretty small, yeah. Oh, it was rough, man. And the snare was like way over-tuned, like over-cranked. And I got on there and like my sticks are almost hitting me in the face because I'm not used to that <laughs> rebound. And as soon as I got off stage, just thinking, fuck. And I saw you doing that, I thought, 
There you go. I just learnt something right there. Uh, I figured one was for one side of the stage and the other was for the other stage. Um, I didn't really know what I was doing, but I it's I didn't want to wait on anyone to tell me what was happening because exactly. you never get a really straight answer. So I just jumped on and just did my did thing. It. Yeah, and I think that's that was a huge thing. Like, just be proactive, right? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, it's your show. seems <laughs> to be what what people do. Like, you look at. Well, I wish I was more proactive. <laughs> you can never be proactive enough. But, um, yeah, you play some weird stuff when you're out there. You never know what you're going to play, and you can just get a pretty raw deal at times, but you just got to try and make it work. And remember that the crowd does not have a clue how uncomfortable you are. So just put on a show and bite the bullet and swallow however you're feeling and, and just put on a show and keep it basic, yeah. yeah. I mean, I sometimes you'll change fills and you'll drop things and you'll you know you just have to be really adaptable played some nightmare kits before some absolutely horrible kits and somehow you get through it it's not as good as playing your own but you just do it you know and i did get used to that a lot when back in the day when i was doing a little bit more touring but now i'm mostly on my own kit for a lot of the year and then we just tour very sporadically so i every time now i set up my kit in the jam room I don't care about if it's how high the snare is or whatever. Like, to a degree I do, but I just yeah. use different stands for different things and just to keep myself on my toes. Yeah, like yeah. That. Drop a tom sometimes yeah, and just cool muck around. Yeah, I change it around. I'm a lot more casual with it than I used to be. I used to be fully anal retentive with drums, like with the setups and tuning and everything, and everything had to be a certain way, otherwise I couldn't pull it off. But I, I realised that, it's kind of all in your head. Like you can usually get pretty much ninety-five percent of the way there on anything. You know, just don't listen to your mind so much. Just get in the moment and do the best you can on what's there, and and the crowd will usually fall for it. But if you're not sure, just keep it simple. You know, sometimes drop parts within reason if you need to. When you've dropped your snare, is that mostly because you're playing? bigger shows these days you're more guaranteed a backline or are you contacting people that are providing their own kits uh yeah usually it's been arranged in advance that there will be a snare there or something like shaitan from impiety will just tell me exactly what to bring what he's arranged and what's mm -hmm. confirmed and and that's cool yeah and the more cool. stuff i can dump the better if i don't have to take symbols cool although it's great to play your own symbols because you know because my symbols are cool and Sometimes you get just crap symbols when you're away. Mm. But snare's kind of negotiable, yeah. I'd, I'll tune up any snare in three minutes and try and do the best I can with it and save all the extra luggage space for stuff like clothes or buying merch when I'm away. I want to bring it back, you know. More important things. Yeah, and I guess that leads me on to things like um, endorsements. Are you endorsed for a start? Uh, I have a store endorsement through Sabian Symbols through uh, Mega Music. It's just a kind of store deal, just a friendly handshake thing with the guys there, and they give me a discount, which is cool. Um, still bloody expensive, though. I still crack symbols. It's hard to keep up with. What uh, is your personal kit like, then, apart from, obviously, the delightful Sabian Symbols? What um, uh, drum kit do you it's have? It's not great. It's pretty average, really. I've had it for, uh, like, 13 years. It's a Pearl Export. 1994 model or something that i got second hand like a long time ago really really big it's i don't use the whole the whole lot of it but it's just a workhorse drum kit you know all the hardware solid and everything and 
it's not great, but it's solid. And it's been around every single venue in Perth. It's been in every car park on the gravel. It's been rained <laughs> on before. And it's been beaten by every single drummer, touring drummer that's come through. And That's the best sort of instrument, hey? It's cool. I'd love a really, really good deluxe drum kit. But if I did get something like that, I probably wouldn't take it out of the rehearsal room. But it's good for just beating around and throwing around venues and stuff. I'm pretty casual with drum stuff. Like, I as long as the skins are cool and as long as they're tuned well, um, just hit hard and and go for it. Yeah. Surprised my PV guitar cab still works with the amount of rain it's had on it and beer funnels and mm-hmm. gravel and shit. No, no, it's like that's why it doesn't get used anymore. But bit crunchy. Um, and also, as a drummer in the recording studio, um, you've obviously done that quite a few times. I don't know how many albums or EPs or recordings you've been on. I think it's about, a lot. about nine albums and four or five EPs or something. What's it like in the studio as a drummer? Do you have sort of any tips, I guess, on relaxing or, I don't know, drinking or setting up or... How to get into it. studio stories? Um, no, nah, I don't really like recording that much. I it's just a stressful thing that you kind of have to do and you know you always think you're doing pretty well in the rehearsal room then you get in a studio and you hear what you're really doing and it's bloody awful yeah just set up well tune really well have a good room good mics and all that setup positioning kind of stuff you play to a click yeah yeah I never used to but the last five six years I have been yeah which totally helps everything. It makes like every other layer of um, tracking go really, really smoothly. I advise it to anyone, yeah. Um, I don't play to a click live. I haven't done that yet, which I might do in the future. Yeah, playing with a click's important, yeah. As a drummer, you've got to keep it tight and real. But um, yeah, recording can be stressful, and but you just got to get it done. It's hard to relax when you're in the studio. If you could relax the way that you do in a rehearsal room, it would be really easy. But you're always aware that, you know, it's that timeless take and you just do dumb shit, drop sticks and dribble on yourself. I love the idea of recording, but as a drummer, I fucking hate it. Drums are a bitch to record because it's like like recording eight guitars at once or something. So many mics. I don't write things down per se. I know what I'm going to do, but then in the recording... I just kind of do something else and then I'll get the recording back later and go for the rest until the next album that takes my attention away. I'll think, shit, I do this live every single time. But on that <laughs> one, I chose a different feel and I hate it. Like, yeah. And that's it, you know? It sucks when it sticks, yeah, and it haunts you forever. Like with guitars, you can just go, you can be tracking until the night before mix or whatever. Whereas with drums, you can't just go back and set up again. Or you could, but it costs you a fuckload and it never sound the same, so... Yeah, it's best to take the drum tracking really slowly if you can. Put aside like maybe an extra day just in case shit goes crazy. Yeah, I track drums pretty slowly and carefully and try to get everything locked in really tight. But there's always things you regret. Listening back to old recordings, you're always like, man, that sucks and this could have been so much better. And just the way, it's the way of the world, I guess, to an extent. Have you done mostly home sort of or DIY studio stuff or have you done like an equal amount with like professional style studios? Um, Mainly DIY stuff. Like the first couple of recordings we did were more in studios. That was um, just before Pro Tools and like digital recording came out. In um, We did a couple of recordings 
um, on analog just before, you know, like 1997. And that was like studio kind of thing and really primitive. Like you're in a big room and it's a, you know, you got a huge mixing desk with all the analog faders and everything. Mm -hmm. And then more and more like digital home studio stuff. And now I've got my own Pro Tools setup and mics and I do everything in my rehearsal room. Um, With Impiety, we record in a proper full mega pro studio that the guitar player works in he owns it and and works there so he's engineering as i'm there playing and it's a really tight family kind of thing is that cool yeah it's totally cool yeah yeah it's really good because we're like joking and laughing through the whole thing and it's not as stressful and he's got a good ear for sound and music and everything and he picks me up on things and yeah it's cool try to avoid real studios where i can (laughs) if i can like track drums myself and then just palm off the tracks to a guitar player afterwards and let everyone else finish it in whatever way they want to then that's cool in my opinion the best uh drum tracking session i've had and i was at begurk have you ever recorded there yeah in um a long time ago about 2000 with militant mass we did a demo there was that when it was at R&R or at At R&R yeah okay yeah hen house is it now yeah the hen house now yeah but yeah, that was cool because it was like, he's from a very do-it-yourself background, Al. Yep. And then, um, yeah, he moved into moved into this place that doesn't resemble your shiny things that you see on the TV, like Swish Recording Studios, but it has all the functionality of that. And it was just a relaxed, casual thing. And even though I'm not entirely happy with what I did, um, just, yeah, just that whole... The environment being, I guess, as you're saying, more like a rehearsal situation, you come out with better stuff, right? I reckon, yeah. That's what you want is you just want to feel homely and comfortable and not feel like a little amoeba amoeba in a Petri dish or anything. Yeah. And um, the more chilled out, the better. Yeah. I don't even bloody remember recording. That was so long ago. I don't even remember that session with him. I remember it was at R&R, but I don't really remember this. That was the first time I ever triggered bass drums. He triggered them, and I was like, what the hell is that, man? That's so cool. <laughs> yeah. And I um, was really impressed. Yeah, just keeping it casual because, you know, I always stress out around recording time, and yeah. it's good to just keep it nice and casual. And I actually track all the drum parts myself like not in piety but other bands i'll just have clicks and guide guitars and my wild imagination and i'll just sit in a room by myself doing everything by myself i like it that way that's cool because you know dropping in stuff and wasting time and just being a full-on drum nerd you don't want to bore all the other band members with that kind of stuff malignant monster all those guys were standing around watching and and giving ideas and everything and all that, which was totally cool. Mainly that was because I'd learnt the songs only about three or four weeks before tracking drums. So they were still kind of coaching me through it. Yeah. But um, if I can do things myself, then that's that's cool. With a little laptop or something next to you or? Yeah, with yeah. my computer next to me on a little um, little table. And that's so I'm, yeah, one hand over here and then back into blast beats the next minute. And then I'm engineering and then I'm back into the blast beats and little office kind of thing. Yeah, that's pretty sweet. I wish we had that. We had a sort of a failed experience at um, <laughs> Poonshead Studios that cost us a bit of money and just the vibe didn't work out too well and I didn't give much of a great performance and to remedy the situation, hired a bunch of microphones, a room in the hen house and um, yeah, same thing right next to me there and just knocked the whole thing out in a day and I thought, man, why didn't we just do this in the first place? It was a lot cheaper and... Yeah, these days you can. If yeah. you have a computer and mics and all that stuff, you can 
you can do it as long as you can get some good looking WAV files then it's all cool and I don't like to bore people with all my drumming nonsense either like it's a grueling and slow thing recording drums and I just like to do it alone and and I almost enjoy it actually when I do it that way almost I can totally dig that because I hate the feeling of people sitting out there and just they have a few beers and think it's really cool like yes we're recording an album then Two hours yeah, later. Yeah, everyone comes in. Oh, yeah, we're so awesome. We're, we're cutting an album. Yeah, yeah. And but then they're like, oh, actually, I'm going to move microphones for half an hour and muck yeah. around. And People don't understand drums and, and drummers and the way that we like to do things. Yeah. They never do. And, um, yeah, fuck them. <laughs> Agreed. <laughs> yeah, I fucking hate drummers. Well, yes, I know. We're our own species, it is, kind it of. It is funny, though, because if you're not sort of aware, I mean, if you go into the studio for the first time and you're not a drummer... Um, then you're like, oh, cool, we'll budget, you know, two days for the drums and then two days for guitars and two days for vocals or whatever. And then, you know, end of day one and you haven't even tracked one bit of drumming yet, it's just all set up, um, you know, and then the next day you spend the whole day doing one song. You're like, what's going on? Yeah. yeah fuck you guys. I think as long as if you expect, if you <laughs> expect to go in there and do like five, six songs in one day and when it comes when you realize you're only able to do one or two songs you'll be like really bummed out but you just got to take it for what it is you know just enjoy spending 10 hours on one song yep. <laughs> somehow and like have the bigger picture in mind and know that 10 years down the track you'll be happy with a product and stuff for sure that's the same as guitar really i mean sometimes you can spend hours and hours trying to do one riff and bunch of people are watching you and you freak out and then you're fucking up just because you're nervous and getting angry at yourself and so mm. chill out a bit. And you're thinking, live, I shred this first take every time. Why can't yeah. I do it? Yeah. <laughs> I'm just drunk when I'm live, so I think I can do it. And then get to the studio sober. And it's like, oh, shit, I can't actually play that. Whoops. It's funny, that. <laughs> and the only person that knows you're fucking up sometimes is the mixer. Yeah. Every other it. metalhead's drunk just turn as you shit. down. Don't tell anyone. <laughs> anyway, um, nah, thanks, man. We'll start wrapping it up. Um, I guess... To um to promote Lewis Rando, do you have any upcoming I don't know or, or recent CDs that people should check out or upcoming coming gigs that they can see you at? Uh, we have a show coming up at the Civic Hotel. Who's we? In Morgul, um, with Morgul and a whole shitload of other bands, coming up in about two weeks' time. Actually, I'm I'm hopeless, man. I forget the exact date, so I I'll just cut it here. I won't elaborate. <laughs> Coming up, the Civic Hotel. It's a big metal fest with Morgul. Uh, at the end of the year in November, I'm going to Bangladesh and Kolkata oh. and Delhi with Impiety, like awesome. northern India kind of region. That's Three control. shows in like four days, so that's going to be f- fully interesting if I survive. Yeah. Um, upcoming shows with the Führer. But I won't elaborate much on that. That will happen in time. And I recorded first al- people. I recorded an album. What was that sound? Did you hear that? I heard it. I thought it sounded like someone saying, "Where are you, Louis? Join us." <laughs> I just did a f- CD with the Führer a few months ago. The fourth album. It's called Impending Revelation, and I'm um, I'm selling it myself through my you know email address and PayPal account. So you can get a copy of that through Western Terror at hotmail.com or hit me up on my Facebook page or whatever. And um, writing songs for Malignant Monster at the moment for a third album. It's coming along. We got a few songs together. It's sounding pretty cool, uh, pretty different to what other stuff was. And yeah, I'm all, always busy toiling away with different things. Blah, blah, blah. Me, me, me. <laughs> That's what we're here for. You, you, you. <laughs> 
Uh, cool, man. Heaps of stuff on the horizon. That is good to hear. And you did mention the email address, which is awesome. Is there any other ways that people can sort of check out all the shit that you do? Um, I mean, obviously, probably all those bands have their own website, so I guess Google's probably their best, their best friend. Yeah, Google. Every band has a Facebook page um, or a website. Or, um, yeah, there's usually links to it from my Facebook page, so if you know me and you're curious, you can get it all through there. Um, or email me, yeah, at westernterror at hotmail.com, and I can I can bore you with all the details of everything. And your YouTube channel is like a history of Perth metal, pretty much, eh? Yeah, yeah, my YouTube channel, Louis Rando, yeah. I, I would always film gigs, like from the early days, I would f- always have my camera with me filming shows. And I never really knew why. I used to kind of watch them a bit at the time and everything. And now looking back, I'm glad I did because I've got like hundreds and hundreds of videos, hundreds of hours of videos that I've uploaded to YouTube there. All classic, funny, old Perth stuff. It's long forgotten. Some really embarrassing stuff. It's real cool. Pagan and Old Choke and Impact Winter and Corpse Death. Um, I did two shows with them. One at the Lookout in Scarborough. It was like, I think it was a third reunion show or something. With Plague? Uh, yeah, they played that show. I was I there. Think. Plague were awesome. That was so cool. Wasn't Gav in a nappy or? Yeah, yeah, he was, um, no, Gav was, it was Dyson in a nappy with shit smeared all over his ass. I should have known. Yeah, and I think Gav was dressed up as Rumpelstiltskin. And Brad was Ronald McDonald. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And you were in full corpse paint, were you? Yeah, I just did what I usually did for yeah. the fear. I was just this <laughs> weird beast. Yeah, yeah. We played one one show with that. Had no idea what we were doing. Yeah, that was um, a gig at the Rosemount a while ago. It was ridiculous. We all just dressed up as as like barbarians. It was our take on barbarianism and just looking like total transvestites or something and just yeah, flogging legends. it. Were you in Battlesword Steelmaster? Um, so uh, no, I've never heard of that band. Don't bring it up again. Can I say one thing? Um, this weekend, which will probably be about two weeks in the past by the time you listen to this podcast, we have a heavy metal quiz happening. And one of the questions is, multiple choice, who has been in more bands in Perth? Louis Rando, Dan Granger, or Kane Kressel? And I'm pretty sure it's you. I was thinking you already, but now that you've been in Battlesword, Steelmaster, and Choke, and all sorts of shit... I didn't really think that was a real band. I don't know what that was. That I think it, I think it's Dan Granger. Hey, I think he's probably got the edge on me. The I think I'm Metal up Archives around. disagrees. Plus all these extras that you've got. Really? Not that Dan Granger's not in a lot of bands. He definitely is. Oh, he's yeah, he's, he's full on whoring himself out hardcore, <laughs> like I am. As you should do you two as a drummer. Start a band together. Yeah, that'd be pretty cool. Me on vocals and him on drums, sitting on his shoulders. Yeah, we did. Uh, Kefa, yeah, Hammersonic. Ah, of course. That's right. I forgot about that. Louis on lead vocals. That is a sight to behold, eh? Yeah, that was good fun. Kind of got called in at the last minute to do that, and it was good fun. Any chance to run around and do vocals. I love vocals. But yeah, you were all over that stage at Hammersonic. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's there. It's a big bloody stage. You've got to use (laughs) it. I mean, like, uh, with Malignant as well, and Impieties, like... It was a fucking tiring day. Man, I can't imagine. And I woke up with a bit of a hangover because we were drinking at the bar the night before. And by the time I even got to the venue, the humidity and pollution was killing me. And then three sets and heaps of beer drinking as well. It was a gnarly day. Yeah, I got nothing to complain about, eh? And then off to fucking <laughs> China for the next day. I was, I was climbing the Great Wall of China two days later. I was like, what oh, the shit. fuck's going on here? It was weird. We did three gigs in China in the following days with Impiety. So it was a, it was a roller coaster a couple of weeks, yeah. Mm. It is fucking good to get to go on tours and go to countries you would never normally go to. 
climbing yeah, the Great Wall of China. Yeah, it's awesome. I recommend it. Everyone should aspire to doing it at least once for the experience or whatever. Yeah. Because it's, it's totally different. Puts an interesting spin on the whole thing. Yeah, right. I did the whole Perth thing for 10 years and got a bit like I was going around in circles and then it was good to break out and just go mental overseas. Yeah, awesome, man. No, congratulations on all your achievements and, uh, yeah, just for being a full-on sick dick. Lots of people look up to you in the Perth scene, I'm sure, and around the world. So, yeah, really appreciate you joining us on the show. It's been fucking good, very educational and entertaining, of course. Um, if we... Man, nice pussy. Yeah, this uh, meet my pussy cat. This is my <laughs> cat here. She's swanning a moth right now as we speak. Right she's during the DNM chat as well. She's trying to she's trying to hog the spotlight right here. She's probably got something to say. Hold on a minute. Interview the uh, cat. Meow. Yeah, no, it's been cool. Thanks for having me on your little show. Yeah, it's been no pretty worries. awesome. Good uh, chance to spout off. We'll uh, probably hit you up for more questions at a gig and record it secretly without you knowing. Yeah, if we were on. to uh, ask you if we could play one song that has involved you on this show. What would it be? Involved. Like me me playing drums. You on the drums on a recording or that whatever. we can find. Something that I think is really cool. Something that I'm proud of. Your um, favourite song that you've ever recorded? Ah, uh, shit. I don't know, man. It's crazy. There's some weird... Eighth Day of Burning by Pagan. Or Revelation Decimation by Impiety. Or Summoned Obscurity by The Fuhrer. Off the top of my head. I like those ones. We'll draw one out of a hat, hey? Fuck yeah, thanks. And uh, yeah, again, you've been listening to Lewis Rando on the Claim the Throne blogcast with Cabra Nash. Don't forget, we are Claim the Throne. You can find us at claimthethrone.com with all sorts of gigs on the gigs page there. Uh, next up in Asia in October, Japan, South Korea, Penang and Bali. And then we'll be back in Perth in November at the Civic Hotel. So keep an eye on the dates there. Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. And we'll see you next time. Adios, muchachos. Goodbye.